for our sermon that can be found on the inside of the bulletin. This is Luke 8:26 through 39. It's Jesus and his disciples. Then they sailed to the country of the Gerasenes, which is opposite Galilee. When Jesus had stepped out on land, they met him uh, there met him a man from the city who had demons. For a long time he had worn no clothes, and he had not lived in a house but among the tombs. When he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell down before him, and he said with a loud voice, What have you to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I beg you, do not torment me. For he had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man. For many a time it had seized him. He was kept under guard and bound with chains and shackles, but he would break the bonds and be driven by the demon into the desert. Jesus then asked him, what is your name? And he said, Legion, for many demons had entered him. And they begged him not to command them to depart into the the abyss. Now a large herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside, and they begged him to let them enter these. So he gave them permission. Then the demons came out of the man and entered the pigs, and the herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and drowned. When the herdsmen saw what had happened, they fled and told it in the city and in the country. Then people went out to see what had happened and they came to Jesus and found the man from whom the demons had gone sitting at the feet of Jesus clothed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. And those who had seen it told them how the demon-possessed man had been healed. Then all the people of the surrounding country of the Gerasenes asked him to depart from them for they were seized with great fear. So they got into the boat and returned. The man from whom the demons had gone begged that he might be with them. But Jesus sent him away saying, Return to your home and declare how much God has done for you. And he went away proclaiming throughout the whole city how much Jesus had done for him. The word of the Lord. Well, there are about 200 uh, federal prisons in the United States. But there's only one that is a super max facility. It is called the U.S. Penitentiary Admin Maximum Facility in Florence, Colorado, also known as ADX Supermax. It is the place where prisoners go where there, when there is no other place to go, other, of course, than the death penalty. It is a place for a very, very small subset of the inmate population who show absolutely no concern for human life. Ted Kaczynski and the Atlanta Olympics bomber Eric Rudolph called the ADX home. The 9-11 conspirator Zacharias Moussaoui is held there as well, with, along with the 1993 World Trade Center bombing mastermind Ramzi Yusuf. The Oklahoma City bomber Terry Nichols is there as well, and the list goes on and on and on. It is called a Supermax facility. It's also known as the Alcatraz of the Rockies, Because its goal is not really rehabilitation. In fact, Robert Hood, the warden of the ADX, said that when he arrived, he was struck by the very stark environment. There's no noise, no mess, no prisoners walking the hallways. When inmates complained to him, he would tell them, this place is not designed for humanity. You're put in your cell for 23 hours a day, in a very small room, 12 foot by 7 foot, 
with thick concrete walls and double sets of sliding metal doors with solid exteriors so prisoners can't see one another. A single window about three feet high but only four inches wide offers a notched glimpse of sky and little else. Everything is made out of concrete. As I said, they're in their cell 23 hours a day. When they are allowed out, it's either to an indoor exercise room that only contains a chin-up bar or an outdoors uh, area where they exercise in a cage. It is a place which Hood called a very, very, very clean hell. Solitary confinement was actually uh, first uh, considered by Benjamin Franklin. Franklin saw the mess of the prisons in Philadelphia and he suggested to create a prison in which uh, prisoners, instead of being whipped and punished, would be allowed to have solitary time with God along with the Bible, to be able to work and think in solitariness with God. Well, it didn't work so well. In fact, even in a short period of time, many of those prisoners uh, incurred a dreamlike state in which it was hard to arouse them. Indeed, some of them became insanely violent, others committing suicide. Those that did make it out were not reformed at all. And so solitary confinement has become the place to go where there is no other place to go. There is something about relationships that makes us human. A psychologist who examined the Supermax facility said that as he examined the prisoners, he discovered that they would also fall into this sort of state in which they had, he called it a, what was the word? An ontological insecurity where they did not, they were not sure that they existed and if they did exactly who they were. Supermax is a beautiful hell, as Warden Hood put it. The scripture that we're examining is all about imprisonment. But it brings to light a stark reality that perhaps we have not thought about. That the world itself is a prison. Not a physical prison, necessarily, but a spiritual prison. There is a spiritual imprisonment that's going on with this inspir- uh, a spiritual warden that is creating a punishment that is being inflicted upon humanity. Some places we can see this obviously, right? We see the uh, examples of Syria and ISIS and militant Islam. Islam, frankly. As these people are experiencing a physical imprisonment and torture. But when we think of the United States, we don't think about as much. But this passage, if we believe it, could make us also concur that perhaps here, even in this country, we are in what is called a beautiful hell. Not only is the world imprisoned, according to this passage, but each individual is imprisoned. I have experienced the shackles of imprisonment in my life in a spiritual sense. For it seems that I do the things I do not want to do. And the person I know I am meant to be, often I am not. Where does this hatred come from in my heart? Why do I fail in living the way that God calls me to? 
Ultimately, I believe that this is true because simply stated, we all have a final punishment, don't we? We all die. And so the question is, who is in charge of this prison and who will rescue us? The gospel is all about rescue. Jesus Christ in this story gives a micro picture of his mission, of what he came to the world to do. If you listen to what Jesus said as he came to the earth, Jesus did not come to cure the problem of poverty. He did not come to give everyone clothing. He did not come to stop tornadoes. Rather, Jesus couched his mission in words like this. I've come to free the captives from prison, to give sight to the blind, to preach good news to the poor, and to release from the dungeon those who sit in darkness. Jesus is speaking of a spiritual imprisonment that we all are either experiencing right now or experiencing the effects of. Last week we talked about Jesus' supremacy over the natural earth as he calmed the storms. I want to suggest to you that Jesus in this passage is showing what he came to do to liberate the world from the spiritual warden, Satan, Satan in which the world is captured. This story is about three particular groups or people. There's the crazy man, Legion. There's the group of people that watch him. And there's Jesus. And I find it very interesting that Jesus who comes liberates the man called Legion and yet this crowd of people from the city stay imprisoned. You are either one of these two people. You can either be imprisoned or free. But according to the scriptures, there is no other choice. Jesus has come to set you free by becoming your master. And by living under his lordship, you can live in freedom. But there are three things that you must do in order to do this. Number one, we have to see a spiritual reality. We have to see the world for what it really is. Not necessarily simply as beautiful, but as a beautiful hell. Number two, we have to submit to a savior. It's not enough to see the world as it really is. We have to see him for who he really is. And then finally, if we do live under his lordship, we get the great pleasure of being able to sing of his salvation to experience what it means to be free in this world. Jesus Christ came, my friends, to set you free by becoming your master. And if you live under his lordship, you will live in freedom. Well, let's look at my first point. We must see the spiritual reality. Verse 26, Then they sailed to the country of the Gerasenes, which is opposite Galilee. This is Gentile land on the other side of the water. Jesus' ministry has been to the Jews and now he goes to the other side. I find it very ironic that this area, the Gerasenes, which was named centuries before Jesus, is called a stranger draw near, draws near. That's the Aramaic translation. A stranger is most certainly drawing near. He has conquered the waves and he sets down his boat where he meets, the people meet, uh, the disciples meet a demoniac. 
When Jesus had stepped out on land, there met him a man from the city who had demons. And for a long time he had worn no clothes. And he had not lived in a house but among the tombs. So why is he here? He has been spiritually outcast. He's a demon-possessed man. We see his condition. He's not wearing clothes. Indeed, it says he has not worn clothes for a long time. Which leads me to believe that he has been through the whole cycle of summer and winter and fall. He's experienced the harshness of the environment and yet he still doesn't wear clothes. He's solitary. He's living among the tombs. The tombs, the cemeteries were not in the city. They were by purpose outside because they ceremonially unclean place. He was alone. He was unmanageable. Scriptures say here that they had tried to bind him and imprison him physically, but he would break the chains. He would run back to where he had been before. Another parallel passage says that he was violent. That if anyone would come near him, he would attack them. And finally, another parallel passage of this in the Gospels tells us that he was self-destructive. Night and day among the tombs and in the hills, he would cry out and cut himself with stones. He is this wild, unmanageable man. What is the reason? He has demons. Notice the plural, for Jesus asks him, what's your name? And he says, legion. A legion of troops in the Roman army could be up to 6,000 troops. So there are multiple demons in him. We don't know how many. And it's very clear that what is possessing him is a sentient being. He recognizes Jesus. He speaks. He exclaims. He's angry. He's fearful. And he's controlling this man. There's a history of warfare between the angelic, demonic world and humanity. If you play the tape all the way back to the beginning of the scriptures, we see that the fall of man was caused by Satan. But even before the fall of man, there was an angelic fall. That these beautiful creatures, these spiritual creatures called angels, that a certain portion of them, Satan or Lucifer, the angel of light, their ringleader, tried to take over heaven. And as a result, they were defeated in battle and they were cast down in order to receive a future punishment. And they have always hated man. See, Satan has always wanted to be first. But an angel is different than a human. First of all, an angel is not made in the image of God. And yet God had the temerity to make these fragile fleshly creatures in the image of God. Additionally, they're corporeal. They're not only spiritual like an angel is, but they have a body. They have ability to interact not only in the spiritual, but in the physical world. Satan seems to have been fascinated with that because he's, remember, he wanted to possess man. He, want, he came as a snake. He possesses this man. Rather than going out of this man, he wants to be in the pigs. He hates man. And so as a result, at the first opportunity, he deposed him. Remember, the snake came to Eve. Did God really say not to eat from that apple? For if you do, you will not die, but rather you will be like God, knowing good from evil. You see, ultimately Satan came to man and he 
gave him a question. Who are you going to follow? Are you going to follow God who's setting these rules upon you? Or are you going to follow my advice? Now, they didn't quite pick it up at that time, but really that's what it was. Who are you going to follow? Him or me? Well, we chose him. And the scriptures are very clear. John 12, 31 calls Satan the ruler of this world. Hebrews 2, 14 talks about Jesus sharing in the humanity of man so that by his death he might destroy him who holds the power of death. That is the devil and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. Though Satan has been deposed, he appears to be, have some power allowed over man because man has chosen the path of Satan. And so the problems in this world ultimately, my friend, are spiritual. The result of this decision. Although the world tells us or the statisticians, that we have more than enough food to be able to feed the world, millions die of poverty and starvation. Although we are genetically 99.9999999% identical with one another, there's war and spying and mistrust and evil. Although for, uh, of the people that die every year in this country... According to the CDC, 40% of those deaths do not have to happen. Whether heart disease or lower respiratory disease or stroke or other things. Why do we kill ourselves? Why do we live in such a way that we do that? It's because it's a spiritual problem. But what about you and me? What about how we feel? A husband and wife who sit down to dinner and don't speak to one another. They're partners. It makes sense to communicate and yet there is a wall, a barrier. What about the high school girl who's belittled by people? I'm astounded by the cruelty that occur, can occur in a high school and middle school. Where does that come from? There's a separation that goes on. Anger and destructive behavior and loneliness. It was Mother Teresa that said the greatest disease in the West today is not TB or leprosy. It's being unwanted, unloved, and uncared for. We can cure physical diseases with medicine, but the only cure for loneliness, despair, and hopelessness is love. There are many in the world who are dying for a piece of bread, but there are many more dying for a little love. The poverty in the West is a different kind of poverty. It is not only a poverty of loneliness, but also of spirituality. See, the truth of the matter is, there is a solitary confineness to humanity, even though we are with one another. There's a punishment that is upon us. There is no solution that is in this world. Like man, we cannot restrain our behaviors. Like the city that tried to control this outcast legion. It was John Adams that said, we have no government armed with power capable of contending with human passions unbridled by morality and religion. Our constitution was made only for a moral and religious people. It is wholly inadequate to the government of any other. Now some of you are saying to me, Carlos, hold on. Are you saying that there are demons running around in all of the problems of the world? You know, are you like the church lady guy? Satan is in charge and responsible of everything. 
Are we all possessed by the devil? You know, possession does not always mean habitation, does it? Possession means ownership. This man is possessed, but the others in the city are owned. There are many ways to possess someone. You know, if you follow the horrible, horrible, endemic problem of sex trafficking, some of it is simply they, they find a girl, they lock her up, they take her some way, they hold her against their, their will, her will. But others, they get her uh, uh, hooked on drugs. And so she has to, she comes back. Why? Because she needs that fix. Others, they target girls who do not have a stable home, a loving father. And what they actually do is they tattoo the girl, they brand her with the name of whoever that pimp is. And in the beginning, what a blessing. I get to be affiliated and owned by someone who cares about me. And they're thrust into this life. There are many ways to possess someone. So is this man innocent? No. The scriptures tell us none of us are. Just like in this world, perhaps he went a little further. Sometimes we make decisions that put us in a place we never thought we would be. But the others are owned. We, who we are in our condition, is a result of the choices that we make. Because the devil is a deal maker and we all make deals. Remember Jesus was Satan in the desert? Listen, all of this world is mine. And I tell you what, if you worship me, I'll give you all of it. It's making deals. We've all made a deal because we know the right thing to do and we don't do it. We sell our soul sometimes for our job because we have to have the security of being paid. We gang up when others are ganging up on a weak co-worker. We keep our mouth shut because it's more important for our reputation and we know if we just keep a low profile. When someone really, really needs our help, we go on by because there's an implicit deal if I don't get involved, I have my comfort. We're all possessed in that we're owned. I want to show you a short video. I showed that this is from our men's series that we uh, recently were watching. This is every other Thursday. Go ahead and hit this tape. I apologize for the stark imagery, but it's the truth.
Jesus Christ came into the world to solve spiritual problems. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, Christ said, because He has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed. And so you and I must recognize the problem. The problem with your life is not at work. It's not the relationship that you currently have with your boss. The problem with your life is not necessarily, is not the finances in your bank. The problem in your world is an enemy who is unseen. And if you are not a Christian, he owns you. You may say, I'm not owned. The scriptures say different. You are not meant to be owned by Satan. And so Christ has come to release prisoners. But you have to take your eyes off of the physical reality of this world to focus on the spiritual reality of a Savior. Because until you see the spiritual reality, you will continue to seek solutions where they cannot be found. Jesus Christ came to set you free by becoming your master. But you must live under His Lordship if you want to live in freedom. Well, this man sees the spiritual reality. And so he chooses to submit. Look at verse 28. When he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell down before him. What have you to do with me, Jesus? I know who you are. It's interesting that the crowd doesn't recognize Jesus' position, but the demon does. You're the son of the Most High God. And he also recognizes his own position, doesn't he? He falls down before him. In the spiritual realm, there is a hierarchy where the lesser answers to the greater. And he says, what do you want with me, son of God? Have you come here to torture us before the appointed time? Notice the demon knows that he has been defeated and that there is an appointed time when all demons will enter into the abyss, also called hell. If you want to see how that works, go all the way to the end of Revelation. A lot of people ask about hell. You know, hell was not designed for people. The supermax facility. The scriptures tell us that it was designed for the devil and his angels. But this abyss, this hell is a place of isolation and darkness. Don't send us, say the demons. Verse 32, a large herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside and so they begged him to let them enter these. And so he gave them permission. 
And so the demons came out of the man and entered the pigs in the herd, rushed down the steep bank into the lake and drowned. You know, we see the true nature of these demons as they enter into the pigs. Somehow God was restraining that happening to this man. But these animals are driven mad and enter into the water here. And the demons are freed. But we see a remarkable change in the man, don't we? This one who was uncontrolled, violent, self-destructive. Verse 35, the people went out to see what happened. And they found the man from whom the demons had gone sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind. He was clothed, he was civilized. He could think again. He was himself. He was not alone. He was in relationship with Jesus. And he was submitted, sitting at the feet of Christ. There's no purer picture of discipleship than that, right? Mary and Martha. He's bound not to Jesus in the sense of a slave. He's sitting in the position of a disciple. This man has a new master. Jesus is the master that sets him free. See, the lie of Satan is he promises freedom, but he gives slavery. But Jesus promises discipleship and gives freedom. And so this man, for maybe the first time in his life, was able to see the world for what it was, to see himself for who he was, and to see God for who he was. But the people's response was very different. When they saw what had happened, they fled. And they came back and they saw and they were afraid. They were afraid of legion, for good sense, but now they're afraid of Jesus, which makes no sense whatsoever. They asked Him to depart from them, for they were seized with great fear. What is it that is so fearful about this? Here's a man who they all know, violent, crazy, sitting at his right feet, uh, sitting in his right mind at Jesus' feet. Here's a bunch of pigs in the water, certainly a financial loss, but this is more than a financial loss. This is fear, great fear. See, the reason they're afraid is their safe world has been threatened. See, they're in homeostasis, right? Our deals have been ironed out. Our contracts have been written. Yeah, it's 23 hours a day in solitary, but somehow we believe it's the best we're going to get. Our world is safe. Jesus, you're upending that. We're comfortable with where we are. And so they say to Jesus, depart from them. The Greek is actually the exact same as when Jesus says to the demons, depart from the man. Jesus says to the demons, depart from this man. And the, and the city says to Jesus, depart from us. The man goes from darkness to light. But they go from darkness to darkness. The man from isolation to community. But them, a community of isolation. The demons recognize the authority of Christ. But the people do not. They're still trapped. It's all too similar to this world. 
It's a clean hell. And we like it. See guys, I want you to understand something. You've got to get this. We were meant to be mastered. Hear it again. You were designed and meant to be mastered by someone or something. It is why you give your life to things, even though they kill you. Whether it's your work, or that boyfriend, or that sports team, or whatever it is. But we were designed to be given to only one, Jesus Christ. Our autonomy, our free will is simply this. We have the freedom to choose what we want. Jesus has come into the world. But he did not come to be a teacher or an encourager or a coach. He came to be master. Jesus will come where he is not wanted. But he will not stay where he is not wanted. I remember as an 18 year old.